listening to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with host Shereen Rice on the CWR Talk Network. Good evening. This is Shereen Rice with Making a Difference About Domestic Violence. My goal for this show is to educate and help in the healing journey for those that are suffering from domestic abuse. I am pre-recording tonight, so you cannot call in, and I'm sorry about that. But um, if you want to get in touch with me, you can definitely email me at shereencwr at gmail.com. Let me spell that out for you. S-H-A-R-E-E-N-E-C-W-R at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I want to do a shout-out tonight again to Trevor at ARA Studios for allowing us to use his um, his studio for our recording. I like the mic. It's much better, and the sound is better. It's great. Anyway, so I would like to remind everyone that our show is every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 7 Mountain, and 8 p.m. Central. My show can also be heard on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. If you subscribe to those services, if you don't and you want a direct link to those services, you can go to our CWR homepage on our website, cwrtalknetwork.com, and click on the logo for that service. If at any time you experience a trigger by the topic, please call the National Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE, 1-800-799-7233. We are going to um, have a public service announcement right now. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that. Of we're... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with your host, Shereen Rice, on the CWR Talk Network. Welcome back. This is Shereen. So a couple weeks ago, I had Dr. Daniel on with us, and... um, I did know uh, prior to the show that they were having some technical difficulties with the group that we use online, and I knew that there was a possibility to uh, get cut off, and we did. (laughs) So I invited Dr. Daniel back to um, help us uh, to finish up uh, what he was talking about. So I'm actually asking him also to recap some of the areas that he talked about before. So let me tell you a little bit about him. Um, He's a male therapist that works with DVA victims and survivors. Uh, Daniel Adams uh, loves to free up emotional capital. He works as a transformational coach, uh, drawing on his music therapy training and licensure for Utah State University. Powerful psychological frameworks and various spiritual perspectives. He loves to do one-on-one emotional breakthrough sessions as well as 
group uh, work in retreats, workshops, and conference conferences he runs called Healing the Past, Light the Future. Okay, so welcome, Daniel. How are you? Doing well. How are you? <laughs> Doing good. I'm so glad we got you back. I know it was a struggle trying to match up a time, but this is a, this is a good time. So, okay, so let's start with the emotional capital. Just do a quick recap because we did talk about it last time. Emotional capital. So just like everybody has financial capital, some folks work well in a budget. Some people don't. Some people make more than they spend. Some people spend more than they make financially. The same process with emotions. Are we overdrawing emotionally? Are we blowing out (laughs) emotional capital? Where are those leaks? Where are those energy leaks? And how do we plug them? That's what my services are all about. Okay, so are we writing checks our our butts can't cash? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well said. <laughs> okay. Okay, transformational coaching. So transformational coaching, I work as a therapist is great. And what I love about the coaching world is that there's so much focus on creative projects. Because we could talk about problems all day, every day, cause, and whatever we focus on grows. And so if we're always rooting for problems and looking looking for problems, we're going to find them. And so in the transformational coaching model, we say what needs to be said, we move through the triggers, move through the trauma, move through the abuse. And one way to do that is with a creative project on the other side, to use that trauma, to use whatever it was that got created to create something new. That's what I love about coaching. It's super powerful. It's amazing to get folks the results that they are looking for. Okay. uh, You brought up something that I'd like to expand on just uh, a brief. Um, You said move through triggers. Um, Do you want to kind of give an idea of what you mean by that and how you might do that? Yes. (laughs) So broadly, um, a trigger is any time the lizard part of our brain or the mammal part of our brain gets hijacked. Um, Different people have different triggers over different stuff. Every time my son fights about his screen time usage, a lot of times that's a trigger for my wife and I. And we say things, we feel things that we're often unaware of as it's happening. So a trigger pulls you out of your rational mind. It pulls you out of compassion. It pulls you out of squaring up your shoulders and speaking heart to heart with eye contact with another human being. And it gets you way up in your feelings, whether it's a ton of anger, whether it's a ton of sadness, whether it's a ton of fear. Um, And it can come from anything. Um, It could be somebody putting their hand on your shoulder. That could be a trigger. Um, It could be, you know, certain phrases, it could be certain smells, it could be certain tastes, it could be visuals, all sorts of things. Um, And when those triggers come up, you know, everything gets hijacked and we're unaware of what's running. So as part of the coaching process, um, we're just looking to create awareness. We're looking to create a safe space. And music's such a safe space to do that. 
music such a safe space to feel sad, feel angry. So many of these emotions get trapped. And right. When we get triggered, they're just coming out. They're looking for release. They're looking for expression. And one of those expressions is to smack somebody. Right. And it's like the least healthy thing possible. So how do we rechannel that somewhere else? That's what we do in the, you know, in the coaching programs. Right. So triggers are trapped emotions, basically, that are trying to get out. Um, now, let me ask you this. I, I work a lot with DB victims, uh, and I mean a lot. And so I have seen some that almost use the word triggers as a way to keep people at a distance. What are your thoughts on that? How does it usually get used? Like, what do you hear most often? Um, you know, you just say, hey, how's, like, I was, I was talking to this girl one day, and I'm like, so how's the job hunting thing going? And she's going, that's a trigger for me. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> which means, like, don't talk about it, which means shut it down, which means don't go there with me. Yeah, which means. Essentially, um, right? Like, she's saying, yeah. like, I, like, She's saying the feelings that I'm feeling about job hunting are too uncomfortable for me to sit with right now. Right. Right. So I was wondering if it was just kind of used as a trump card to prevent you from, uh, and and it wasn't being, you know, oppositional. I was just asking, you know. Right. But sometimes I think that might be a trump card. I don't want to, you know, talk about that because I'm failing at it or something. Right. Um, It's my truth that the minute that we accept our circumstances exactly as they are, that's when we have power to change them. And so just to notice like, wow, I'm feeling triggered, but then let's take it a layer deeper so that it's not just shutting it down, but saying like, well, what's the body sensation that I'm experiencing? Okay. You're experiencing a trigger about jobs or whatever. Okay. You know, is there tension in your body somewhere? Is it in the shoulders? Is it in the heart center? Is hips, is it in your legs, is it in your toes, Um, what are the sensations in your body, is it a burning, is it a pulsing, is there a sharp pain of some kind, is there, does it feel joyous and expansive, like the body is so capable, the body never lies, and it's so capable of giving us all this feedback, and, you know, one of the biggest things is to get back in our body. Right. So, yeah, I think... I think it can definitely be a shield. Um, I see that quite a bit. You know, oh, that triggers me. Like, well, I understand that you're having a reaction. <laughs> like, nobody can trigger you. Like, your body has an automatic response, and that right. can be reprogrammed. Right. That's the truth. That's, <laughs> that's showing up in all the science. Like, it can be reprogrammed. Well, uh, that's perfect. Um, now, I, I think I'm going to respond like that, actually, <laughs> because um, <laughs> your body actually tells you everything. I think I told you that I, I love the book, um, oh, Fear, what's it called? Um, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway? Uh, no, there's this great book, and, you know, I'll have to say it out later, but um, – Oh, the gift of fear. I love that. The gift of fear because mm-hmm. it talks about how you listen to your body. What is what is your spirit or your stomach saying? You know, where do you, it, you know, it's, it's basically teaching you to listen to your body and not listen to what people say because they can say anything. But if you have some sort of uh, ominous or 
fearful feeling, there's a reason. Right. How do we get back to trusting our body? How do we get back to trusting our gut? How do we get back to trusting our feelings, trusting our intuition? Right, right. Okay, uh, I know you touched on this last time, so I'll just have you briefly discuss it. Energy healing, um, tell us a little bit about that. Um, The way I see life is that everything's made of energy. Uh, Whether it's solids, like a chair or a car, it's made of molecules that bounce slowly. Liquids are made of molecules that bounce more quickly. And um, gases are made of molecules that bounce fast. So everything's energy. And it's a question of meeting that vibrational frequency. So when we talk about energy healing, for me, there's like not a lot that's woo-woo. Um, and there are lots of people that do really great in that arena too. Um, for me, in my sessions, we do a lot of like guided imagery, um, some dream work. And for me, it's all energy. Um, so when I talk about energy healing, we're just looking at a layer of what are we really made of? Are there threads inside of you that are safe no matter what you experience? So we start to play in that space. What are you outside of your roles, outside of your labels, outside of your job? That's where I take energy. Right. Identity and, work, I guess, would be another name for it. Yeah, and that was the title of our last show, was Identity Work. Um, and how so ener- identity work and energy is similar is like the same topic is that what you're saying that's how i see it i mean i know different people have different definitions for it but that's that's the framework that i work from okay cuz i've never heard of the word um identity work until you brought it up and um so that's why i wanted to ask that question <laughs> sure <laughs> okay, so let's let's talk about your music therapy. I think this is an area where we um, kind of got disconnected last time. Sure. So um, music therapy is a fairly clinical service, and there's always a referral. There's an assessment. There's a treatment plan that's created. Um, there are mm-hmm. a number of different kinds of activities, whether it's actively making music, and the person I'm working with is playing a drum or creating some poetry that we'll write a song with. Maybe we're looking at lyrics to a song that's important to them. Maybe we're looking at the artist and the artist biography and things that showed up in their life that mirror what's in the client's life. Um, And there are any number of, of things we can do musically. The purpose is not to make something that sounds good, whatever that means. The purpose is to achieve our goals, which might be to have a safe place to relive the trauma, right? There, there are no words for what it's like to be abused. There just right. aren't, especially right. if you're young. Like, which kid has the lexicon to explain what was happening? Right. Um, but, they, but there are sounds for it, and there are feelings for it. And so when I, you know, if somebody's willing in a safe enough space to, like, play on a drum one of their experiences from being abused it's incredible their research 
case studies too that show like amazing results. Uh, really similar to what the EMDR therapies are doing, where it's like, wow, people are getting in a really clean space because they're able to express things. So the music therapy service um, is all about non-musical goals, but using music as the tool. I get folks all the time that have been to like four therapists, and they'll come in and they'll be like, hey, we're stuck. We just keep talking and I feel like they don't understand me and I feel like they told me it's my fault and I just need to take more accountability. What can we do? And a lot of folks, the way in is music. And we start with like, well, tell me what's on your Spotify playlist today. And that opens up a conversation and hits a completely different part of the brain and a completely different part of the body so that now we're in a different space to like see what's really there so we know where we're at and set goals to know where we're going. Like, How many people are asked, what is the ideal thing that you'd like to experience? I don't know. Like, Choose to know. How are we going to go anywhere if we don't know where we're going? That's what I love. Like, Music is a tool in the music therapy service, you know, coupled with the transformational coaching. That's where we're taking people to a place where they want to go, and that's what we're focusing on instead of all the stuff that happened before. Right. Right. And and I like that take on music as well, that it's non-musical goals working towards, you know, use, utilizing music to help them to speak in instead of having them try to explain what um, they're going through. Because sometimes you're right. There's absolutely no words for it. There's how do you describe that? Uh, well, he hit me. Like, okay. <laughs> but sometimes like, it's not hitting, though. It, it's not hitting. Right, sometimes right. it's a psychological abuse. And how do you, how does a child, right. how does a young person describe that? The right. pain that they feel because of the psychological abuse that they endured. I mean, how do you describe that? Right. It's hard for an adult to describe that. Absolutely. Um, okay, so uh, – one thing I, I wrote down that I wanted to bring up, and I, I can't remember why, the spiritual perspective of your ideology, if there is any. There might not be. <laughs> sure. Um, so I've worked with quite a few folks from Native American traditions, from Latin American traditions. And when we talk about spirituality, it's not so much about a religion, but it is about ceremonies and rituals and practices. And that can Mm -hmm. be as simple as some some folks before they eat a meal will say grace or say a prayer and express gratitude. And it's just like this routine that we get in to feel a certain way. Um, You know, gratitude changes brain chemistry. Right. Um, So when we're talking about spiritual perspective, wider thing, it's looking at where do I find meaning? Where do I find purpose? How do I connect with my intuition and my sense of knowing? How do I connect to something bigger than me? Whether it's my lineage, whether it's feeling into my grandparents and my great-grandparents and my great-great-grandparents, whether it's feeling into, um, you know, the bigger piece of my culture, whether it's feeling into do I believe in a higher power? How's that working for me? If there's a religious framework, are there things in that religion that are working for me and things that are not? Are there people that are sensitive to what I'm experiencing or not? Um, 
you know, what was I, was I taught that the purpose of life is to suffer? Hmm. If so, how, how much suffering am I experiencing? Is it possible that there's another world view, another spiritual perspective that maybe we're not made to suffer? Maybe we're made to learn to experience joy. And when we start looking to other cultures and, you know, drawing from the Hindu tradition, drawing from the Judean tradition, drawing from Islam, drawing from any other spiritual ideas, drawing drawing from the Native American traditions, um, from shamanistic traditions. All of those have keys that bring people fulfillment and happiness and help them see a bigger picture. Um, A lot of times energy will come up in that space. What is actually occurring during an abuse event? Usually there is a transfer of energy that goes from the abuser to the person who's abused, and then it sticks in the body somewhere, that energy. How do we release that energy and end the cycle so that we're creating things instead of just pushing what's uncomfortable on other people? Right. So that's that's all we talk spirituality. That's all part of it. We're looking at energy. We're looking at what's your relationship. Right. Uh, with higher power, with creator, and then, you know, any of the other factors I discussed. Right. That's awesome. Okay. And do you work with male DV victims or just female DV victims? I love men's work. Okay. So, yes. And <laughs> As a bulk, um, yeah. I'm going to tell you, I've never met a guy who worked with female DV victims, uh, a male therapist, that is. Well, actually, I have, but... Um, They've been doing it for a really long time. What what encouraged you to to work with DV victims in the first place? Um, quite honestly, they kept coming into my space. Mm. I, I I I kept attracting them, and I kept going like, "Well, huh? What's <laughs> what makes you tick?" I'm, I'm noticing this trend and this pattern. What is this? And how can I serve these folks that keep coming to me with really similar questions and really similar experiences? Um, and it's it's been glorious to, to well, learn, great. to grow, um, to look at my own life. Like, what do I get to embody to create a safe space for women to feel seen and heard and understood? Um, what do I get to embody, you know, and I... I'm I'm fairly religious, like that's triggering for a lot of people, and I've just met people over and over again who are like, I've never met somebody so open-minded. I didn't think you exist. You're a unicorn. Like, I didn't know this <laughs> like I'm I'm just me. Like, Daniel, you're a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I know a lot of therapists. I work with therapists. I, a lot of my friends are therapists, and I'm I'm going to say that um, none of them, not any of them, have uh, said that they use energy work or, or or that type of thing to help people heal, which I think it's so important to have um, the transformational coaching and the the energy work and everything else that you have in your tool bag, because that's a tool bag that you can pull out and say, Hey, that's not working for you. So let's try this. You know, I mean, it just amazing in my book. Um, I think that's absolutely great. Okay. So my last question is this, and I, I, posed it already to you so that you wouldn't be shocked um but i ask a lot of people this question why do you believe that dv women 
tend to continue, and maybe men I don't know, to date abusers, even when they're not trying to, especially when they're not trying to. They seem to attract uh, abusive um, type uh, dates or, uh, you know, companions. Absolutely. So, like, with all the love and all the sensitivity I can muster, um, we have this conversation all the time in the Facebook group I run called Making Peace for, uh, with Self. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> people ask this question all the time, why do I keep finding abusive men? Um, why do I keep attracting them? And if I knew how to do it different, I would help. Um, <laughs> at the core of it is it is an energy. It's a pattern. How do we break the pattern? That's that's part of the key. That's part of the transformation. Um, but it's an energy. And part of it is in these unconscious dynamics. Um, there's a framework from Stephen Cartman called the Drama Triangle. And it's a massively important framework to understand this question, why do I keep attracting abusers? Um, an abuser doesn't exist without a victim. And the victim doesn't exist without an abuser. Right. And like I said, I, I say that with all the sensitivity and all the love in the world. And I've played both parts. I've played yeah. the abuser and I've played the victim. And uh, it's common for many people when they're in that victim energy, it feels terrible. It's the body doesn't like it. Like there's just a lot of resistance and a lot of thick. And so we'll either step into a hero role and try and save everybody, or we'll step into a villain role or the abuser role, the persecutor role, um, because it feels like more power. However, it's empty. Um, it's a counterfeit power. But like these subconscious dynamics are flowing. I see it in so many families, uh, healthy families. I see it in virtually every workplace ever. Um, yeah, And part of it is anytime I run the mindset of this is happening to me, I'm running a victim energy. And that shows up in the body. The body doesn't lie. And so there's a sensation that goes along with victim energy. And anytime that's running, it will pull in the other parts and it will generate those traits. And this has been running for thousands of years. It's in our DNA. It's in our political system. It's in our school system. Would there ever be a bully if there were no one to bully? Right. Theoretically, no. Right? And like, and we put so much emphasis on Batman movies and Marvel superhero movies and all these like super codependent love songs of like, you complete me and my world is terrible unless you're in it. I need someone to save me, essentially. And it's this energy that's been perpetuated through the culture that's falling away right now. And it's falling away in very loud, uncomfortable ways, calling us into the higher version. Is it possible to leave the old version of a relationship and still keep the relationship? It's like a whole other angle. I talked to so many people recently, you know, who've experienced divorce and they're like, wow, our communication is like a million times better and I'm like best friends with my ex because I want them to be close to their dad. My kids would be close to their dad, and my family's like yelling at me because they're like, he doesn't pay child support, whatever else. But it's like, I mean, I, I enjoy him. Like, we had 10 years of relationship together. Like, 
we don't make out, but like I'm gonna invite him over for dinner and we'll like be cordial to each other, like we're friends. Um, and it's like this whole new way to think. It's like new possibilities. Um, and one of the keys is awareness to notice when am I running the victim energy because I will always call in somebody to rescue me and I will always call in somebody to persecute, to blame, to abuse. Oh. How do we step out? That's what the that's what the transformational coaching is all about. Because so much of that is habitual. And I've found that when I exercise when I have some kind of mindfulness practice like meditation or noticing my thoughts, I notice when I eat nutritious food that it creates a completely different thought pattern for me during the day. And that's one of the keys is to start putting new routines in place to take care of ourselves so that we're now embodying the traits and the characteristics that we want to experience in a relationship. And that starts to attract a different energy of people towards us. Yeah. Wow, that's hard. Too. I mean, even, yeah. Well, and I think even, I see it in children. Um, you know, my wife substitutes for third grade, third grade school, and she said it is wild how the children's voices change, how their behavior changes um, when this energy starts running of, persecutor and victim and and rescuer hero um and it's like you know for this temporary moment like even an eight-year-old can totally flip the switch and turn into abuser persecutor um they can flip the switch as you never let me there's like a, a victim phrase um and then they quite often like that's what whininess is right why do we why can't we stand whining? Why does it create um, tension in the jaw? Why does it burn our shoulders when we hear children whine? Why do we have no <laughs> tolerance for that? It's an energy. They are running victim energy, and they are calling us into persecutor. And then all of a sudden, we're threatening our kids. Well, where do threats come from? That's abusive behavior, is it not? And it right. pulls us out of our conscious mind and like eye contact and lining up our shoulders and our heart and listening. Um, so, I mean, we can see those energies play out. And then as adults, they just play out on a bigger scale to where, you know, the abuse is starting to happen. But like, you know, just observe children for like 10 minutes at recess and you'll see the name calling. You'll see <laughs> all the hallmarks of this drama triangle running. And as we put new thoughts in place, new habits in place, as we feel our feelings authentically, even if it's triggering, what if we had a safe enough place to feel the fullness of our emotions? That's where we start to see the change. That's where we start seeing new people coming into your sphere who act very differently in response to you. And it's more the outcomes that we want to create. Well, that's great. That's perfect. Well, I appreciate that. In closing, um, Daniel, do you want to leave any uh, last comments, final comments? Just invite everybody to take a breath. Maybe listeners. <laughs> um, take a minute and just check in with your body. Notice what you're noticing. 
Um, none of it's good. None of it's bad. It's just feedback. And I sure appreciate so many glorious souls who are on this planet trying their best to pass light and love and kindness along. Um, there are so many chain breakers, so many cycle breakers out there, and it's amazing. Yeah. Courage. Courage. Um, it's amazing people's openness just to say what actually happened. Like that's, that's step number one, right? It's just speak your experience and we'll start there. Yeah. Um, so I'm just grateful for all the people that show so much courage. Um, I'm grateful for my clients. It's so fun to see them getting results. It's so fun to see them getting in touch with their bodies and their intuition and saying, here's what I want to create, and then creating it, and they're just crazy amped about it. They're making boundaries. I was working with a gal just this week. She's like, oh, my gosh, I just made a boundary with a person that was, like, sucking all my energy like a vampire, and it feels amazing, and now I'm going to go create the project that I've been wanting to do, you know, with my T-shirt line, and so fun to be part of that cycle. So thanks, humans, for what you shine, and thank you, Sherry, for having me on. Hey, thank you for coming on. And I'm so sorry about the last time. That was kind of a shock and and kind of kind of uh, amazing because maybe someone else needs to hear what you have to say this time too. Because mm-hmm. I think that's how the higher power works. Is um, we find out that things have to change a little bit so that we can touch those that uh, need to hear it for sure. Beautiful. <laughs> Hey, you have a good night, sweetie, and I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for coming on. You are welcome so much. <laughs> so much love to everybody listening. Blessings Thank to you. you all. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> See good ya. night. I want to thank Dan for coming on tonight. Um, it was absolutely amazing. I just love talking to him. He has such a positive vibe and uh, such a sweet and spiritual vibe in my book. Um, he, uh, I loved his comments about emotional capital and transformational coaching and, and energy healing, uh, music therapy. He's right. Uh, sometimes people can't speak it, so they, we can definitely beat it out of a drum, couldn't we? And um, adding a spiritual perspective and the framework that he described on helping us get out of the, uh, what he called the drama triangle, the hero role, the um, victim role, or the villain role. And uh, so uh, next week, uh, same time, same channel, and I'll see you then. This is Shireen signing off. Have a good night, guys. Bye.